Do you have questions about living with diabetes in South Africa? You're in very good company. Turns out we all do. Welcome to South Africans with Diabetes. I'm Bridget McNulty and today we're going to be answering your questions to help you live a healthy, happy life with diabetes. This podcast is brought to you by Lily. First, a disclaimer. I am not a medical expert. Please discuss any changes you want to make to your diabetes treatment with your doctor. So I must be honest, I know very little about heart health and diabetes. I can rattle it off as one of the main long-term complications of diabetes, amputation, blindness, kidney failure, heart disease, but I don't know too much more detail than that, which worries me because, as we all know, the more knowledge we have, the better prepared we can be. I asked our community on Facebook, South Africans with Diabetes, if heart health is something they're aware of, and the responses were really varied. Rian said, my road with diabetes and heart health came to my shock awareness at the age of 38 in 2012 with my first heart attack. Prior to that, diabetes was just diabetes. I didn't know what complications diabetes would have on my body. Kerry Lee said, Thankfully, as my conditions being managed by an endocrinologist, all the necessary health issues related to diabetes are carefully monitored. My heart, cholesterol, liver function, kidney function, thyroid and total blood sugar panel are checked six monthly. It's so important to know your numbers. Madeline said, diabetes is demanding too much assorted medical education, so I concentrate on the correct menu twice daily. And Heidi said, nope, knew nothing, then boom, had a massive heart attack. Clearly, this is something we need to be talking about. So I wanted us to get to the bottom of this. Is cardiovascular health, heart health, something that everyone with diabetes needs to be aware of? Why do people with diabetes need to care about this? And what can we do about it? Are there any primary preventative measures we should be taking? What is a primary preventative measure? I do not know the answers to these questions, so I've asked endocrinologist Dr. Zane Stevens to come and speak to us about it. Dr. Stevens, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so pleased to be able to pick your brain about this. Thanks, Bridget. Really great to be here. So first off, is cardiovascular health, I'm just going to say heart health from now on because it's easier to say, is it something that everyone with diabetes needs to be aware of? Totally. So, I mean, obviously, the majority of people with diabetes have, are living with type 2 diabetes. That's mm -hmm. 90% of the population of people with diabetes. But both people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes really need to be concerned about heart health because these are the leading causes of death, unfortunately, for these individuals. So absolutely important that we do need to be talking about this. And we should be talking about it much more than we are. I agree with a lot of the stuff that, that those listeners were talking about. So the reason people with diabetes need to care about heart health is that it's a major risk factor. Does that apply for type 1 and for type 2, or are they different? So it definitely applies to both, Bridget, type 1 and type 2 diabetes. But the, the mechanism by which people with the different types of diabetes develop heart disease is quite different. So okay. in type 2 diabetes, obviously these individuals have other risk factors. M most patients with type 2 diabetes will also develop high blood pressure and cholesterol problems. And okay. then you've got sort of that large number of risk factors which needs to be treated. Mm. In type 1 diabetes... While we never used to think about this as a big risk factor for heart disease, as people with type 1 diabetes live longer, we are seeing that many of these individuals do develop heart disease over time. But this seems to be quite closely linked to the level of sugar control. Okay. And especially those individuals who end up developing a kidney complication from their type 1 diabetes are at very high risk. And so there's what we call accelerated atherosclerosis. Now, what that okay. just means is 
That's the deposition of plaques of cholesterol in the blood vessels that result in blockages of blood vessels. And that is a bigger problem in somebody who's developed kidney disease with type 1 diabetes. So glucose control remains a key focus in people living with type 1. Fascinating. And then would the kidney disease always come before the heart disease? Typically, in, in type 1, uh, slightly mm. differently in type 2, obviously, but in type 1 diabetes, often it's first kidney disease. Many of those patients would have eye disease at the same time. Okay. And those are the patients that you as a doctor would see as very high risk to have developed underlying heart disease. Okay, great. So that's type 1. And then how is it different for type 2? So in type 2 diabetes, obviously here, these individuals have got problems of often being overweight. That's associated with what we call systemic inflammation. So the blood vessel walls are already inflamed. And those blood vessel walls are then more likely to have plaque and cholesterol being deposited into them. And we know okay. that people living with type 2 diabetes often have a high cholesterol, plus they've got high blood pressure. So they've got really the full house of uh, risk factors for the development okay. of heart disease. And then you would work with your doctor to try and minimize your risks by lowering your cholesterol, lowering your blood pressure, and keeping your blood glucose as well within range as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But when we're talking heart health, what does that mean? Is it heart disease that we're talking about? Yeah, so you're totally right. When we talk about heart health, we're not really just talking about the heart itself. We mm. probably are meaning cardiovascular disease. And so that's the whole spectrum of heart disease itself. So there we're talking about people presenting with heart attacks. We're talking about strokes as sort of central okay. vascular disease. We're also talking about sort of peripheral vascular disease. So we know that amputations and blood flow problems in the lower limbs especially are a big, big problem in both people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Mm. So we're talking about that whole spectrum. And then included in that is the impact of the blood vessels supplying the kidneys. And chronic kidney disease is also part of the spectrum. So it is a much larger spectrum. But... I mean, we really, really need to be preventing all of those things, and they actually impact on each other. So what I find so fascinating about this is until you just said that now, I had never connected the dots that all the complications, so, so the main complications are amputation, the ones I rattle off, amputation, blindness, heart disease, and kidney failure, they're all to do with veins, because it's the tiny veins behind your eyes, the tiny veins in your kidneys, in your heart, and in your feet. Is that right? I mean, that's super simplistic. Well, yeah, yeah. Technically speaking, it, they, they arteries, not veins. So okay, it's the thanks. blood going from the <laughs> to the vessels. But you, you're 100% right. So, so I always think about, and I try to explain to my patients that diabetes is actually a vascular disease because all of the complications are related to blood vessel problems, and that's what we try and avoid by good control. So, absolutely, it's a vascular disease, and we've got I to think about it that I never knew way. that. That is fascinating to me. And, and is the only preventative – so let's talk about preventative measures, because I've heard this term being thrown around, primary preventative measures. I don't know what that means. So, when we talk about primary preventative measures, what we're meaning is doing something before you actually develop the disease. Okay. So, you're living with diabetes, and – you don't want to have a heart attack, a stroke, or develop chronic kidney disease or lose mm -hmm. a limb. And so we want to do things to prevent those things from happening, as opposed to what we refer to as secondary preventative measures. Okay. So that's where you've unfortunately already had an event. So you've had a heart attack or you've had a stroke or you have developed chronic kidney disease. And now what we're trying to do is prevent that second event from happening. Okay. And obviously the goal would be to try and prevent it from happening ever to you, obviously. Yeah. yeah. 
So what are the primary preventative measures? Good blood glucose control. Is that it? So no, not 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 it at all. So so okay. I, I think maybe we should kind of focus for the sake of our listeners now on like living with type two diabetes mm-hmm. and focusing on primary preventative measures. So if you come and see me ever, I always talk about similarly to some uh, some faiths have a holy triad. We've got a holy triad in diabetes as well, okay. and that is blood pressure, cholesterol, and A1C, in other words, glucose control. Okay. And there's important targets, and that's why I really loved one of the listeners said, know your numbers. Yeah. We want to really achieve the most optimal we can control, we can achieve with all three of those things. So optimal blood pressure control, get that bad cholesterol, the LDL down as low as we possibly can. And then for you, each person, there'd be a specific target in terms of your HbA1c, which obviously mm-hmm. is the reflection of sugar control. And if we can get all three of those things where we want to, together with excellent lifestyle choices, a Mediterranean diet, for example, is the one that's got the best evidence for heart health. Plus, we now have newer agents in diabetes, some of them which actually have got evidence for the so-called primary prevention of heart disease in type 2 diabetes. Is this the, the magical GLP-1s? I keep hearing about GLP-1s. I, I don't know what they are. <laughs> Can you explain? Yeah. So the, these are some of the newest kids on the block in terms of type 2 diabetes management. So okay. they come from the so-called incretin therapy, fancy word. But this mm-hmm. is a sort of a gut hormone system, which is abnormal in many people with type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And these treatments aim to rectify that. Now, GLP is actually a hormone that all of us have. Okay. But it tends to be low in individuals living with type 2 diabetes, especially if they also are overweight, as most people living with type 2 diabetes are. Mm. And so what we're doing with these therapies is we're actually boosting these levels back to normal. Now, in our bodies, this hormone would essentially do three important things. So the first thing is when you eat food, which is going to be converted into sugar, so carbs or sugar itself, it nudges the pancreas to make insulin at that appropriate time, mm-hmm. and it suppresses the hormone which is opposite to insulin called glucagon, which tends to push your sugars up. So it helps mm-hmm. to regulate the blood sugar in that way. It's also supposed to slow down the rate at which food passes through the stomach, so okay. meaning that if we raise that level, a smaller portion of food is going to keep you full for longer. Great. And thirdly, it talks to the part of our brain that makes us give that, gives us that feeling of satiety. So mm-hmm. it also suppresses your appetite. And we know that that can be abnormal in people living with type 2 diabetes. So mm-hmm. those three mechanisms are why it's really a useful glucose-lowering drug. So it controls the sugar. But some of the GLP-1, so we've got a couple of them available in South Africa and around the world, have done studies to be able to show that if we treat individuals with this medication, we can actually prevent a heart attack or a stroke Hmm. or development of chronic kidney disease in a primary preventative kind of strategy. Gosh, how amazing. But that's only for type 2s. I'm a type 1, so it's not applying to me. It's not applying to type 1s. At the moment, there are studies, but at the moment, it is definitely a type 2 drug. So just to... To like reiterate here, the three things, the main three things that you do for primary preventative care are manage your blood glucose as well as you can, work with your doctor to get your cholesterol into the right range, and work with your doctor to get your blood pressure into the right range. But the bit I'm unclear about is, are there signs that you need to get your heart checked out? Is this just something that we need to get done like every year, or is it 
something that you should go to your doctor and say, now I'm concerned about my heart. Uh, I tell you why I ask. A couple of our community members mentioned heart palpitations. Is that a sign that something needs to be checked or is that completely unrelated? It could be a sign of something. It most likely, I think, just palpitations. So that's just an experience of your heart beating fast. Um, There are multiple causes for that. So, for example, an overactive thyroid, anxiety, many things can cause people to experience palpitations. So it's not necessarily a symptom of of there being heart disease. But you touch on quite an interesting area, and it's even confusing for myself looking after lots of people with type 2 diabetes. Because if Mm. you have a look at the international guidelines, We've got really good guidelines that tell us, you know, how often we need to get patients to have a check of the back of the eyes, how often we're supposed to do an HbA1c, Mm. how often we do cholesterol profiles and so on. But if you have a look at the guidelines of how do we screen people for cardiovascular disease, it's actually quite sort of inadequate, to be honest. So at the moment, we're not really advocating that every person needs to have a stress ECG or something like that every year. We typically would say that somebody living with type 2 diabetes should have a ECG in the doctor's room once a year. And we should be asking patients questions that might point towards the fact that they've got underlying heart disease. So those would be things like, do you experience any chest discomfort? It's not always pain. It might be a heavy sensation when you're exerting yourself. Have you found that you've become more easily breathless over the last couple of months? Because that might point towards there being underlying heart disease. If we think about the legs, we'd be asking questions like, if you walk a distance, do you get a cramp-like sensation in your calf? Hmm. So that point towards the fact that blood flow is impaired. So we really should be taking a good history and based upon that history, then deciding, do we need to refer this patient for any specialized investigations? Do they need to see a cardiologist? Do we need to do Dopplers to look at the blood flow in their legs and so on? So it's really based very much on the history. And it's not a simple matter of if your blood pressure is high, then you might have something up with your heart. No. No. So, I mean, we know that a you know, high blood pressure commonly coexists uh, in the mm. lives of people living with type 2 diabetes. You know, it's a frequently encountered uh, comorbid uh, complication. Mm. We know that 25% of adults by the time they turn 50 would have high blood pressure. So that's a common Whoa. condition. That is but common. it doesn't point towards the fact that you have heart disease. It's just okay. like type 2 diabetes, an additional risk factor for developing heart disease. Okay. This actually makes me feel much better because I've had type 1, but I've had diabetes for 14 years. And I'm very obedient when it comes to healthcare stuff. So I see my ophthalmologist every year and I see my podiatrist every year. And then I recently have started reading about heart health and I was like, what the, like for 14 years, I haven't been actively getting like a tick mark next to heart health, but it's also because, so now I know I don't need to, so I feel better that that there wasn't something I've been neglecting. But to me, what's, what's so interesting about this is how interconnected it all is. And obviously the heart is connected to everything, but it kind of makes sense if you if you take a step back. It, t- it makes sense that if you're living with diabetes, your body is under a different kind of strain. And these are the various ways that that strain could present itself. And these are the things to watch out for and make sure you bring up with your doctor. Super helpful. Thank you. And I love that you're speaking 100%. English. <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned you might be speaking doctor, which is difficult for many of us to understand. Uh, we try not to. We try not to. <laughs> I have one last question for you that is not related to heart health. What makes your life sweet? So I think for me, what makes my life life sweet 
are the connections that I have with other people. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's quite evidence-based. So I am speaking a little bit of doctor now, but there's actually good scientific evidence that shows that people who've got great social networks, and that doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a, a spouse. It can be close friends, mm-hmm. other family. People who have good social relationships actually have less chronic diseases and they mm-hmm. live longer. So for me, that's really a big focus. I love that, especially because so much of what we do here at Sweet Life, so we're South Africa's largest online diabetes community. And the whole point of it is to connect with other people who understand what it's like to live with diabetes. So you don't feel like you're doing it alone and you don't feel like it's some test that you're never going to pass. You can kind of connect with and, and vent when necessary with other people with diabetes. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Stevens. This has been fascinating and I feel so reassured to kind of know what the path ahead looks like with heart health. Knowledge is power, hey? So the, the more you know, the better it is. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks for having me and helping to kind of get this message out there. Yeah, great. Thank you. We somehow only have two episodes left after this one. Next week, we'll be talking about eating disorders and diabetes, and then we'll look at the root cause of diabetes. That one will make you think. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today and invite you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. It's such a pleasure to be able to spend this time with you, and I really appreciate it. I'm sure your diabetes management appreciates it too. Big thanks to Lily for sponsoring this season of South Africans with Diabetes. Lily is the leading provider of insulin in South Africa, supporting people with diabetes through high-quality, affordable products. Lily unites caring with discovery to create medicines that make life better for people around the world. This podcast comes to you from Sweet Life Diabetes Community. We are South Africa's largest online diabetes community, a space to connect with other people living with diabetes, share tips, and offer advice. Our website, sweetlife.org.za, has all the diabetes info you need, all in one place. We're like the Diabetes Wikipedia of South Africa. We offer expert advice that's easy to understand and written just for you. Whether you're looking for the latest news and updates on diabetes in South Africa, tips to manage your condition better, meal plans and diabetes-friendly recipes, exercise suggestions, or how to lose weight, we have an expert answer for you. We also have free ebooks to download, a diabetes cookbook, diabetes guidebook, and a healthy food guide. Most importantly, We have a community of people with diabetes who understand what it's like to live with the condition every day. We're all in this together.